This is BC Spritch, your look at the province's burgeoning distilling culture. Welcome everybody to the very, 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 very first official BC Spirits podcast. I have no idea why it took me a year to get onto this. I had an epiphany the other morning and I already do three podcasts a week and I was like, you know what, I could pick up one more. I can always do one more episode. And so I uh, hit up a few people, there's Whiskey Fest this week, so tons of people in town from like Shelter Point and uh douglas and stuff like that so like i was like okay well we can really maximize uh our uh, input on this one so i sat down originally i was supposed to sit down with brennan uh colbank from uh the lovely just still head distillery up in duncan but he canceled on me at the last minute because of just some timing conflicts and so he was originally going to be my f- official first podcast but um i reached out to quinn palmer from a squamalt uh wine company or squamalt vermouth just around the corner from my house and he had time today so i had a chance to sit down with him and chat to him about rootside uh, syrups and provisions and the vermouth company and all these things so one thing i'm really looking forward to with bc spirits is that we have almost 80 distilleries in the province and so i have a lot of opportunity to be able to sit down with people and really understand where they were thinking when they started their creations and their um, companies and what their inspiration is now i know i've already done a few episodes i did um, the lovely guys at odd society i've done sean dalton from marrow vermouth and i've done um James Lester from Sons of Vancouver. So I might have those little throwback episodes or I might do brand new ones with them. Um, but this is the very first official brand spanking new BC Spirits podcast and this will be coming out every Thursday. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I had a great time. Like the facility at Rootside is just spectacular and I'm really looking forward to the things that uh, Quinn and um, Michaela have planned this year. So hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, keep tuned. This every Thursday, brand new episode. So thanks a lot, guys, for the support this year for BC Spirits. I am loving it. So hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Bye. I listen to your stuff quite regularly, but usually only while uh, I'm labeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the stuff, uh, the actual product reviews, I, I, I watch pretty regularly because I like... Even if I'm just listening to somebody talk, I'd rather just sit there and listen and watch somebody talk yeah. than just kind of like, you know, sit, you know, stand around, you know, unless, unless I'm actually doing something out for a walk yeah. or labeling or whatever. Um, but they're, uh, they're, they're too short for, for labeling. Because <laughs> when I'm doing it for, for like eight hours, it's like, next. Okay, come on. Well, because this thing is like when I first started doing the tasting videos, um, I uh, was picking up too much stuff. I think there was a couple there. I remember I did the, the barrel aged gin was yeah. 14 barrel aged gins, which is a lot. <laughs> and I remember that I decided to start cutting back how many, like it's about six to eight things because yeah. I did the grape and fruit brandies episode. And I think I had 14 grape and fruit brandies and I love my brandies. So it's like, I remember I did the episode and then I walked upstairs and my wife's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. She's like, are you sure? And then I watched the video again. I'm like, oh, oh no, I got, I got quite like, <laughs> I got quite wasted at the but end of it. It's so fucking awesome that in BC we have fourteen odd grape or fruit brandies, let alone all of the other stuff. Yeah, like, like Marydale, there. Um, I've been telling everybody I know about this. Their pear brandy mm-hmm. It's nine years old. Who's the, doing that? Their cherry brandy's twelve. Who's doing that? <laughs> A nine-year-old fucking bear brand. Well, that's what also catches me out. Like, it costs, catches me out, like, for taping as well as a little bit of financial. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, especially when I was back in school, I'd be like, oh, crap, i got to do an episode from this week. And be like, Monday, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to do coffee liqueurs. 
and I'm like, okay, I'll go, I'll hit spinnakers, I'll hit vessel. I'll hit and there's like a coffee liqueur section. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh shit, now I have seven. Yeah. 30 bucks a bottle, 200 dollars. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. crap. <laughs> and then I'm sitting down with seven coffee liqueurs, and guess what? I, I don't mind a white Russian every now and then, Yeah. but I don't need seven different craft coffee no. liqueurs in my house. No. It's the same as lemon and orange. I was although, like, although, although, with that said, and I, I, I've never made it at home until like a week or two ago, we started making shafts at home with sharing hands um, coffee liqueur. It's great. <laughs> Next level. Yeah. Next level. But yeah, it's just like, I don't need this much coffee liqueur. I've got so much weird, obscure stuff at my house now oh, that I'm yeah. just like, do I need this? But, but, the, but the reason I'm doing it is because right now, I mean, I, I have the same problem. I can't stop buying new oh, booze. No, not at all. So I, it's not really dry January, but it's more just trying to like get rid of all those bottles that just have like an ounce or two <laughs> left in my cabinet just so I can just clear out heels. some space. So And Shaft is perfect because I've got like four coffee liqueurs and a bunch of vodka I don't drink. And I'm thinking it was a bit bottle of Bailey's or whatever, yeah. and that, yeah. So now I can just clear that out. And uh, <laughs> I think last week I got rid of like eight bottles or something. Now I got rid of everything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the thing is I got uh, I'm doing dry January, but I'm also do- finished off that big fever tree project. And yeah. like I have, and because I picked up Eastern Canada late last year too. Because okay. well, well, that was just going to be like Western, Western Canada, and, and like went, Western and BC is a separate thing. Yeah. BC's got so many stories, but Western Canada doesn't have enough to just do it. It's, it's so screwed up that. In BC, we can't access any of the spirits from the other provinces. Oh, I know. It, do- it doesn't make sense. It's the same country. Yeah. So now, being Eastern Canada, is like I've got 100, there's 80 distilleries in Eastern Canada. So now I've got like Quebecois gins and Sask- uh, like Manitoba gins. And- I, I, I can almost guarantee you are probably one of the only people in BC who has had that um, who has tasted that amount of Canadian spirits craft spirits it's getting there because if you've had all that stuff brought over unless you know somebody's literally done like a road trip yeah it's, 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 it's getting yeah, there I've like got, I've got not many i got something in excess of 160 gins at home right now from across the country <laughs> that i got to sit down and pair with Fever Tree Tonics yeah, and then yeah. also with the Fever Tree Wheel we've got ginger ale and ginger beer as well yeah, with yeah. brown spirits so nice. I've got a whole bunch of rye BC and you're doing their full line of ginger ales and ginger beers and that would be cool so I'll sit down and like go through the whiskey boom 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 different mixes yeah. taste 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 type 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 next so that's insane <laughs> I'm waiting I'm waiting until like probably this week sometime to finish off the western Canada side of things wow so that I can uh, do it so but, um, but like how many how many spirits would you say you can get through on the Fever Tree project and like I don't know Day, four hours, like, because uh, if you got like a hundred plus gins, like that's I a try lot. and spit. Yeah. So when when I was in Toronto, we did a big national tasting at the Fever Tree office, and that was um, that was a lot. I remember the end of that was a lot because we did like 15, 20 gins, and then another fifteen whiskeys. Yeah. So it was like that was that was a lot a big day, um, but I actually sat down with um, Tree Ring. Uh, she's a wine writer and she told me what her schedule was because she she writes wine but her daily schedule like she wakes up to taste so like yeah and it's all for an end game like it it shocked me because I've known Tree for like 15 years but she wakes up to taste without an actual end game in mind until later on like so it's it's just 
It's just her own palate, yeah. basically. And so she like she tasted through a whole bunch of South African single vineyard sans soul. Yeah. And she's like, I haven't got an article or anything coming up. I just tasted through them. I just wanted I write, to know. I wrote my notes. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, if someone comes and goes, oh, I heard you've been to South Africa, she's like, yeah, of course. She's yeah. already you're my recommendations. I yeah. information. Me. Yeah. So, but, but unless you're like actively. Setting yourself up for that day, with you know that is what you're going to do. If that's not part of your so now, I'm thinking about changing routine, a few yeah. things where I'm tasting every day yeah. for like an hour and a half. Not as excessive as her. She's like up to twenty wines a day. Wow! Like and she spits, but like, yes, yeah, of course. I'm thinking like an hour and a half in the morning. Just set it aside, have breakfast, and then yeah. bang out my day. <laughs> well, that's like you know at one point you know your 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 palate's going to get just destroyed but at yeah. least by doing it every day you still have that memory of what it tasted like pretty fresh so she was some of the spirits yeah. in, in the province like no one like my biggest I think not my biggest mistake my biggest uh, misstep was making my second episode for BC Spirits absent <laughs> one it's expensive two, yeah, two it's, it's absent, it's absent. absent. Yeah. <laughs> you know I think I did vermouth and then I went straight to absent so I went to like yeah, low yeah. alk kind of like low alk stuff and then I was like oh you know what let's go to 60% yeah why not just why not? bang it yeah. off yeah. so congratulations on the Western Living yeah that, that was um, did you know that was coming I had no idea really um, we, we literally it was just uh, announced yesterday I don't know how they even heard about us or, 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 or and also all the, informa- the information they got about you was like well, it was just on our website oh was it okay <laughs> yeah, yeah literally um, I was like did they just talk to your family and friends no 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 yeah that, that's literally on our, on, on our website um, but we were actually so every because this is a slow time of year for us mm-hmm. um, and so at this point every year um, we have a, like a big strategy meeting, um, which we're, we're, we're quite fortunate. My um, my mom has spent a career uh, first in, in sales and then afterwards in um, executive coaching. So strategy, like strategy, this is what she does. <laughs> so she comes over once a year and sits us all down. And we kind of go through uh, uh, all the motions. And uh, is she like a nice, like a nice executive coach, yeah. or is she kind of blunt, like? <sighs> Did she sit down like with still the mum hat on a little bit? Oh, or oh, oh completely. Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. If I say something stupid, she'll just rip into me. Guaranteed. Um, but it's really good to actually, because frankly, we're not, we don't have a lot of kind of formal, I mean, we're a three person team, so there's yeah. not a lot of formal structure, so it is quite nice to just sit down and call, okay, this is what we want to do for the next year, the next three years, to actually get it put into a little bit yeah. more of a confined block because when we did that last year like it was we have to make decisions financial decisions in particular you know nine months a year mm-hmm. in advance like buying those tanks that's been A we've been thinking about it for four years yeah. and wanting to, to to get those big tanks and then uh, it took ten months to just just to get them to get the man, you know, get them manufactured, figure out what we want. We actually got a um, a grant to help cover uh, okay. the cost of those. Um, but it's just you need to be able to plan and make those decisions mm-hmm. well in advance. Um, but long story short, we were in the um, <clears throat> middle of that meeting, and then Mikhail was just on her phone. She's like, "Holy shit, this Western Living, cool! We're, we're like a finalist for this thing." Uh, so yeah, we had we had no idea it was that's fantastic. Was yeah. That's good. I, I I think well in the bar attending side of things and the bar scene side of things. Yeah. Uh, sometimes awards and nominations get a little bit of um, 
I think internationally more than locally, but get a little bit of like a, a poo-poo. Yeah. Like, but coming from a small market, I'm sure you have the same feeling, like coming from a small market, like I remember when we got top four for Clive's, like it was fucking night and day. Oh, yeah. Like overnight. Like it wasn't like that year we got our top four nomination for best hotel bar and we got a fair bit of press around that yeah. plus a few other big, big things too. Like I think Kevin Brush said we were one of the best drinking destinations in the world yeah. in fucking En Route magazine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it, was just, and it was just like night and day from like, yeah. oh shit, like we're not really, you're not really making money still to, oh shit, you're making a ton of money. Um, and I think it just helps. Yes. And, and honestly, it really is those little things. It, it's just, like I said, when you're a, a three-person team, your bandwidth and capacity is only so much. Oh, and how much money can you spend on advertising and marketing? Nil. Zero. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, I can get my phone out and, and, you know, pump something out there or, you know, we can do things like this, but little things like that, you know, getting onto even just, you know, a top 40 list is, who knows, it could, it could make or break a business. Well, especially um, seeing this based in Vancouver and all of a sudden, like, you've got bars and restaurants in Vancouver calling you and going, hey, can we get this? Who have never heard about us. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, what? They're making Vermouth in a Squimal? Yeah. Like, <laughs> which, which 10 years ago would be like, would be like questionable. Oh, oh, oh completely. <laughs> questionable practices would have been called. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. You're making anything in a Squimal that you want to put into your body? Uh, Squimal is such... It's such an awesome place. And there's not enough here. And nobody, I feel... Nobody has a reason yet to kind of cross the bridge. 100%. And they don't really know what they're missing. So we're... I mean, I don't really want a lot of people here, but at least we can do something. Hey, it's my this is This is a good spot. There's new things going on. I think it's, com- I think it it's coming, but I still yes. think that it's... Uh, I, think, I still think it's substantial time away. Yeah. In a way that, like, before the economic downturn with, like, Roundhouse should have technically by plan should have been all built out by now like that whole area oh yeah was supposed to be built out by now but, but that's not even a squamal that's big west yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the trendy part yeah, I know. <laughs> but you think about I mean the population we've got here and yet we have one pub the gorge point on the very outskirts <laughs> yes and you've got okay light, lighthouse is a tasting room across the street but there's nowhere else to drink it's, it's pretty horrific it's obscene and yeah. there's literally nowhere to get decent coffee there's yep. a couple of decent restaurants, but nothing crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, me, I live just around the corner. Like, I walk down to, down here from home. So, yeah. like, you have to cross that bridge. But I think five years, like, I know that they're putting in the big Tudor houses going in. Yeah. And then... Well, and the, and the Marydale. Um, well, but again, that's... I mean, that's, that's the big west. Big west. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, like, uh, I think they've got a 5,000 square foot restaurant space in the new big Esquimalt Center building. Yeah, yeah. And then I think Esquimalt Coffee Roasters is moving over to that, oh, too. Oh, are they? Yeah, oh, so neat. it's going to get bigger. Yeah, because their space so, is, is, is it's tiny. tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm hoping, like, we get someone over here because it's like, this morning I walked to Hey Happy to get a coffee. Yeah, which is... 45 minutes. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if, if the Tudor House plays, that'll be fantastic to have mm-hmm. a spot like that. We're hoping to actually turn this front area here that would be uh, awesome. into, into, into... Is that into what that's for? What? Or do you see that at a garage sale and go, I need that, the shelving? Oh, 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 oh no, that, that's, actually not, that's actually not even ours. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was just looking at it, I was like, that's a really nice piece. Yeah. Uh, we actually used to rent this whole front area out to a company that does uh, furniture rentals. We okay. this area, so about a third of the total space um, to help pay for the space. 
uh, and they moved out in uh, what was it April um, so that we could get our, our liquor license to, okay. to, to start doing doing for move. Um, but the idea has always been to turn this front area into like a not even a tasting room. I want to do like a full bar. Yeah, because we need something like that. Yeah, here. and it'd be kind of cool. Like just walk down the back alley yeah. behind them through a through a thing through a thing. Or, or, or I think we'll call it the back bar because it's, we're, the, we're, back we're, bar. it's the back yeah. bar. We're in the back of the building. It's yada yada yada. So let's take it back to like, yeah. what did you do before Rootside? Oh Jesus! Like what? Did, what? Did, what was you, like? Um, were you in the industry? Yeah, it, I was in. I was in the industry to pay the bills. Okay. Basically, um, I. So when I graduated high school, I immediately left and moved to the UK, um, and I was there in London for seven years, um, with the idea that I wanted to be a photojournalist, and I was going to go, you know, work for some newspapers, and I went to university for photojournalism, and that was in. 2007, the same year the iPhone came out. So the photojournalism industry since then <laughs> has kind of tanked. <laughs> um, so then, uh, and then I went and got I got a master's in uh, international relations, international relations, and thought I'd go the more kind of like political science, uh, journalist, either journalism or academia or even politics kind of route. Um, I. And, and during that whole period, I was working for uh, a catering company uh, over there, and I was mostly bartending um, for the catering company, uh, and that was that was paying the bills as it were. Um, and then when I moved back here, I got a job for a political research and polling company in Vancouver. Um, did that for, I think I was there for nine months, and then I got laid off. Uh, and then that's when me and Michaela, um, my partner in, in, in Rootside and life and everything, um, we just sat down and went, okay, what, what do I want to do with my life? What, what do I enjoy doing? And how old were you then? Uh, this, this was, what, 20, early 2015. Okay. Um, and it was always food and drink, food and drink, food and drink. Okay. I don't want to be a chef. Bartending was fun, but man, that's a lot of work. Um, how can I get involved in this industry? And, and that, we kind of left it at that. Uh, and then it eventually, while I was in the UK, I got a bit of a hankering for ginger beer, and I was at a, a restaurant in, in Vancouver, and just I ordered a mule, and it was you know, like 12, 13 bucks or whatever, and it was awful. Uh, I, don't want, I don't want to pay 13 bucks for a shitty mule. mule. Um, so I got on my phone. I'm like, okay, how do you make ginger beer? I, yeah, I can do that. Um, and we literally started Rootside. In, you know, yeah, it was December 2015, making 750 ml bottles just for uh, bars and restaurants. Um, and then it's just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, so leading from the Rootside, like obviously the farmers markets and yeah, all that sort of things, huge. Um, how did that get to the move? Because that's a bit of a stretch. It's like shitty ginger beer yeah, and a mule yeah. to vermouth. Yeah. Um, so as a result of starting to make ginger beer specifically for, for cocktails and then getting into tonic and getting into getting a little more involved into the cocktail world, um, 
I then discovered a Negroni. And, and then, ooh, gin, this is, this is fun. Uh, and got a bunch of gins, these are all great. And okay, what about this vermouth thing? And went into the liquor store to go buy vermouth, and there was just Martini and Susanna for 11 bucks. And then the next step up was, uh, what was it, um, uh, Antica yeah. for like 40 or 50 bucks. Yeah. There was nothing in the middle. Yeah. And, and at the time, it was just um, in BC, Odd Society had, had theirs out. But again, it was 20 bucks for uh, uh, 375 mil. And their stuff is definitely not just a swap in, swap out for Shinzano. Exactly. So I was like, oh, you know, and, and, and again, I had just been late, you know, laid off. I'm working for a catering. So I actually, I worked for, um, when we started Rootside, I then got a job at Railtown Catering in, in Vancouver. Uh, and I was an event manager for them. I mean, that was like for the first two and a half years. That's right. So you guys started in Vancouver. You yeah. were based in Vancouver, yeah. then you moved then here. Moved over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up on the island, so it was, yeah. it was an easy move. But um, so then started looking at Vermouth, and I, I couldn't afford the good, <laughs> the good stuff. Um, and Odd Society put on a uh, Vermouth event where they had their stuff. Um, Sean Layton was pouring uh, uh, a bunch of different varieties. John from Sovereign had had Maine and I there. Um, they had a big, you know, uh, Spanish ham on a spit there. Shit, it, it was awesome. And it was the first time I really went, "Whoa, Vermouth is this is good." Yeah. Um, and it, and that was three years ago. And it was actually that event where me and Michaela the next day said, "We got to make this." And I think if you're going to take any page out of any book, Maine and I is probably the like. The, the best example of yeah. like outside of Europe crazy Australian I said I was Sean Byrne and like chatted to him about vermouth and I'm like but why yeah he's like we couldn't get good vermouth so we made some <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, and that's that's kind of how, how it started so it was yeah three years ago I mean when we were trying to figure out how to do this it was just odd society on the market mm-hmm. and now I think this whole thing Seven or eight producers, 12 or 14 yeah. vermouths. It's, got, it's mental. It's not, it, it's in the last three years. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's another one that called me out because I think I did yeah. do a second vermouth episode because you had your dry coming yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Mara had their dry yeah. and a few other things, and I'm just like, okay, this is awesome. I gotta do another friggin' vermouth. And I'm hoping that I can do, when I start doing my videos, that. Like, I'm going to have, like, five different Negronis. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you can easily do that. Based on just different things. And I am i won't name names because I don't know if it's public yet, but I know there's more vermouth coming from other uh, uh, other businesses. It's, go, it's going to get nuts. Um, I mean, we've got more stuff. Everyone's got more stuff. And, and to be honest, the price point is actually reasonable. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the fact that Ampersand has got came out with their dry and you guys have your Rosso and I've had people go well what would you sell I'm like it's, it's a freaking easy one yeah but it's not going to cost you 50 bucks for a 750 well I mean mind you I'm still not satisfied with our price point I want to get it to figure out how to get it lower um, the problem is the BC government makes more money off it than we do yeah um, and we, so which means I've really got to be careful with every single decision we make on our, on our packaging what goes goes into the bottle because obviously we want it to be the best it can be, but it also can be 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to find that mid-range price point. Um, if I can get it around under 25 retail, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. But because of the way the licensing works, we have a commercial winery license. Yes. So if we wanted to actually make good money on, on it, we need to get a land-based winery license. But that will require 
require us to have a minimum two and a half acres of vines. <laughs> I do not have the capital <laughs> to get two and a half acres of vines to make vermouth. Just get some. Oh, my, or just get, and do you have to use the grapes from those? Um, Twenty-five percent. Okay, so you have to actually like you can't just oh, pick up a, like an industrial plot here and in this mall yeah. on tarmac and just put down like planter boxes full of. No, grapes. you have to do it legit. Oh, oh, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And I, I mean that's why. I mean, the barrier to entry to opening the winery is nuts. Yeah. Um, you've got some that are you know just wineries that are com- coming up, but they're always attached to another vineyard. And they're working under that license, yeah. so they can still get good margins. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically, there's the uh, liquor puts a markup on each bottle, and with a land-based winery license, you get to keep that markup. With a commercial one, uh, the, the, uh, the liquor board takes it. Oh wow! Uh, I think per bottle, it's like you know, eight fifty or something. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's aggressive. Yes. Yes, it is. Wow. Um, but if you, but I mean, with that said, the reason this was put in place was to promote agriculture, BC agriculture, and BC tourism. Yes, that has been incredibly effective. They like go to the Okanagan. Yes. Oh yeah. Like right. I, I was up on Narramatta Bench, yeah. and like two years ago when I helped develop the legends Narramatta, like you drive up the bench and there's vineyard, vineyard, vineyard. Yeah which would be co-oping or selling their grapes to someone else and now it's winery, 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 winery exactly. and like they've only got the same size vineyards but they're making their own wine yeah. and had those regulations not been put in place that would have never happened yeah. so it's good but at the same time you know for us when we want to make something that's kind of rides the line between spirit and wine as it were we're realistic we don't need to be growing our own grapes mm-hmm. you know it's like asking a brewer to grow his own barley or a baker to, you know it's not entirely necessary we can go to experts in their field who are going to be way better at growing grapes than I am and buy it from them yeah because they know what they're doing I mean, yeah Anyways, that's a whole can of worms <laughs> And uh, so you've got the Rosso right now. Yeah. Um, which I I think I tasted that one of my very first... I think it was one of my first episodes. It was. Oh, it, my it, very it, first. It was the first vermouth one. And you gave me a little tiny, like a little tiny sample bottle. Yes. And then I retasted it when we did the... Uh, yeah. The big... I am blown away with the... I, I like the fact, because it's always one of those things I find in BC... You can either try and replicate something that's already available from another country yeah. that is BC centric yeah. and a little bit better, or you just go completely off wall and just make something that you just want. Totally. So, and I think with vermouth, I talked to when I talked to Sean Dalton about it. Like, I don't think people have tasted enough vermouth. No. To like everybody's had their like what five Melly Pratt. Martini Rosso, Martini Bianco, Shinzano Rosso. Realistically, until the last, like we were saying, two or three months, years, yeah, at least. Two, two, yeah, eighteen months. The, the options were limited. It's all of a sudden doubled, and then you start tasting Spanish drinking vermouths, like what Maro is, oh, yeah. and like that sort of stuff. Just so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> and then you talk to Sean. He's similar to you. He's like, yeah. I just wanted to make vermouth, and it was good, well, and we put it up. Well, because because for me, to be honest, in the last couple of years, I can't drink a lot of beer anymore. Um, I get really bad heartburn from it, especially the sours or the hoppy yeah. stuff. Like I edge towards the more malty ESP mm-hmm. Guinness kind of okay. stuff. But frankly, that's just not popular right now, <laughs> so I don't get access to a lot of it. And yeah, I, you know, I, I enjoy drinking wine, but I'm not. A, it's not necessarily my drink of choice. Mm. Frankly, my drink of choice falls within this kind of aperitif wine category. Yeah. 
and it's annoying because you are so limited to what you can get. So uh, yeah, again, it's. I don't know if we'll make money off of it. That's why we've got non-alcoholic <laughs> stuff to kind of help. Um, but we just we have to do it. Like we just have to. So what's the plan for this year? Cool. Um, Product-wise, uh, on the root side front, I mean, we spent three and a half years, four years with just three SKUs. Yep. Uh, or, or three products and, and different sizes of, uh, of those products. And then last year, we grew that to five products plus uh, uh, the vermouth, um, and we did some, some co-packing stuff. Um, so we kind of... We just grew up, we rebranded everything, we got the new tanks in, da 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 da. Um, and we're kind of continuing that, as it were. Uh, we're going to stick with the five root side products for the foreseeable future. I think the root beer will be a bit of that fifth mm-hmm. product, will be a bit of a seasonal one. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe, when that runs out, all we'll come up with something new and just kind of switch it up every couple months. Um, something that's really popular with root beer, I know it sounds really weird, is absinthe. It's a Parisian thing, and kids uh-huh. in Paris like I used to have absinthe and root beer on tap at Clive's back in the day. Oh, I need to try that. Absinthe mules are wicked, <laughs> um, but I didn't even think about it with the root beer. That oh, that would be good. Absinthe root beer, yeah. yeah. Like people lost their minds. Yeah. And I like I, I um, Nadia dropped off a whole bunch of samples. Yeah. Do well by the time this episode comes out, I would have done the non-alcoholic episode. Neat. Like two days ago, or three days ago. <laughs> um, and I use root beer a lot. Like, I, I used to make my own root beer syrup for, Sweet. like, old fashions. Yeah, yeah. So cherry cola bitters, like, cherry bitters with uh, root beer and bourbon. It, it, it's, it's funny. Getting, trying to sell to the cocktail bars with non-alcoholic stuff has been a challenge. Everyone just kind of goes, eh, <laughs> it's not alcoholic. And literally the moment we started making vermouth, everyone's like, ooh, vermouth, alcohol. <laughs> And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, you guys make this other stuff, too? Oh, me! <laughs> yeah, so, to be honest, we, the, the root beer, we haven't even done in food service size. The only ones, really, we do food service on non-alcoholic is our ginger beer mm-hmm. uh, and then and then our tonics as well. Um, so, outside of root side, we've got in probably end of February, our dry vermouth will be out. Um, literally just got our labels I'm, uh, actually while you were walking in I was submitting an application to because um, we just got our labels yesterday uh, we're th- and then working on what I think we're going to call uh, a Kina Rouge mm-hmm. which is going to be a so, uh, within the kind of style or category that Dubonnet sets mm-hmm. um, that may be limited release if Nobody buys it. If people are actually interested in it, then it'll kind of be a. a, a oh, especially if it goes towards like more the old school Duvernay with that little kick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I think we want to do something a little bit more because I mean, farmers markets are a big part of our business, mm-hmm. um, and doing events and just sample, sample, sample to as many people as we possibly can. Um, so we, we want to make something a little more approachable mm-hmm. than you know vermouth and. Dubonnet and Kim Guinness <laughs> and all, you know, all, all the weird fun stuff. Uh, so we're going to do, probably do a, uh, a red and white sangria. Um, you know, which, which works. Yes. It makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, you get somebody who's never even heard of vermouth to go, hey, do you want to try some sangria? Oh, this is nice. Then you can kind of yeah. get them into the weirder stuff. Here's a taste. The rest is going to, you're going to pay off the rest. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and then we want to do... 
a uh, around Christmas time a seasonal um, Austrian style punch or, or punch, um, which is uh, it's basically a, a, a mulled wine. But what separates it from like a Glühwein or something like that is uh, it's spiked with rum and uh, traditionally has black tea added to it, yeah. and then all the you know kind of malt, malt and spices and all that. Um, it's it's what you find in like the Christmas markets in Vienna. Uh, you get these little you know mugs that you kind of uh, you know pay a deposit on, and they fill it up with with punch, uh, and you just get pissed on like rum spike mug wine. Um, so I'll, I'll do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I have a laundry list of like, and I see the barrels in the corner. Yeah, um, so so that's another uh, project we're working on. Um, we're doing a barrel age series right now, just for the the Rosso Vermouth. Basically, I'm trying to get one or two barrels from as many BC distilleries as I can. Um, right now, we these two are from Stillhead Distillery. Um, we've got there's a uh, an ex gin barrel, mm-hmm. so they're they just launched their barrel aged gin. Mm-hmm. That's the barrel that the gin was in. Nice. And I got uh, I went and helped Brennan uh, empty that barrel and then loaded <laughs> it up into the van. And within an hour, we were filling it with with our food. Brennan was actually supposed to be officially the first person. <laughs> oh no! Then he, can- <laughs> then he canceled on me on Thursday because he thought he was going to have three and a, three and a half hours free. Oh yeah. And uh, I love I love Brennan. Oh, he's no. like the fucking nicest guy yeah, in the fucking world. Like, yeah, we. Oh, you want a barrel? Yeah, no problem at all. Just take it. Like. <laughs> well, well, and then he, we the deal we came up with is once uh, I, I don't know if he wants to say this or not, but I will. Um, once the vermouth is done with it, he's he's going to take the barrels back yeah. and then use this as probably a finishing for a rye or something. It's like that. genius. Um, and then the other barrel is one of his rye barrels that he pulled. I think it was two two and a half year old rye that he's now putting into some Hungarian. Uh, oak and I've got the the American oak yeah. barrel. Um, I'm getting some uh, ancient grain barrels from Divine. Nice. So and they're a little bit smaller. Yeah, that's one. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Those are quarter casks. Um, I've got. I've been chatting with uh, Fabio uh, from Woods. Get mm-hmm. the Morrow barrel. Ooh. Um, Literally, you're taking all the ingredients that would be in a Boulevardier, an Old yeah. Pal, or a Negroni, and then aging your vermouth in it. So yeah. people have to use your vermouth in their Boulevardier, exactly. Old Pal, or Negroni. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I haven't talked to them yet, and this doesn't necessarily fall into like a BC spirits category. But I want to harass the guys at Shelter Point to see if I can buy a couple of the uh, Lafroy barrels mm. and just see what happens. Um, I think that would be that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if like a somewhat peated vermouth would be neat or not, but I can I can Is try it. it. <laughs> the the peated amaretto the peated amaretto from freaking uh, oh, no. Sons of Vancouver. Yeah. Like, who needs a peated amaretto? <laughs> Nobody. But, but it's delicious. Yeah. It, it tastes like s'mores. That's what it, like that's what I got. Like I smelt it and tasted like. This is literally cool. a s'more in a bottle. Like it is That's cool. yet another bottle of something I'm going to have on my back, <laughs> on my shelf. Yeah, yeah. To do I, it. I had Sons uh, their first barrel aged release of their amaretto, uh, and last year this time uh, we went up to Mount Washington and just had like a flask of barrel aged amaretto on the mountain. Like it was great. <laughs> and I'm passing it down the the, the, the chair. The front. What the hell is this? <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so I know we were talking with the amazing facility you have here um, about possibly doing kegs yeah. of a mooth and tonic. Now I know that for me and you, that's like geek heaven. Like if I can just go, hey buddy, can I get a keg of like the mooth and tonic? Sure, I'll bring it over. It's coming <laughs> in and I just go tap tap and pour it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, that's like a dream come true. <laughs> I make vermouth, I make tonic. Makes sense. I can't not do it. <laughs> um, I don't, well, you know, like we were saying before, I, we want to do that uh, ready to drink in, in bottles. We're going to keg it. We're in the process of um, restoring an old bowler trailer mm-hmm. that we're going to put nine taps on the outside of to do cocktails and one on tap, and one of those will be a vermouth and tonic. Yeah. Um, but it is also one of those products I don't know if people will want it or not. But we're going to do it anyways. Do you, when, when you're at the farmer's market, do you do a vermouth and tonic as a sample? Um, we haven't done any uh, markets yet on, with Esquimalt because to date we've just been doing super small batches yes. um, just so we could get our processes figured out. I didn't want to do like a 2,000 liter batch my first run and go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were doing like you know, literally 200 liter batches for the first two or three batches we did and then we bumped it up to I think the last batch we did was 900 liters um, and this year once we've got more products out than I think mm-hmm. the markets mm, I, if people like the vermouth and tonic I'll, I'll, I'll do it in markets but I, I don't know <laughs> I, I don't I like for me I know that like I would, if I texted Solomon right now and yeah. said dude like <laughs> I'm gonna do like vermouth and tonic on tap. You just order kegs, tap it up, and it's done. Yeah. So we go. Okay, so we're gonna drop a wine or a beer. <laughs> we're gonna drop one of those. <laughs> well, it, no, no, and, and that's the struggle is you're, you're you're we'll be fighting for those taps um, on some way more lucrative taps than vermouth and tonic is gonna be. But with that said, I think there will be some very specific bars, yeah. Veneto, Olo Pegs. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, the ones you, you know you had some influence on um, they'll, they'll be interested yeah. and I think their clientele will be interested um, I don't know if you know Irish Times is you know going to be picking <laughs> that up anytime soon um, just kegs and kegs <laughs> on the mood <laughs> well, um, well congratulations on all the success this Thank year you. and uh, good luck for 2020 man like yeah, man your dog is huge you are massive yeah she's a sweetheart though um, and congratulations and everything. Like I, I, I love your stuff. Like I truly, truly enjoy absolutely everything that you do. Um, and I'm really happy that you were my first episode. You're my official first episode. I've done a couple of episodes that were sort of partnered up with uh, Poship Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this one is the official first episode for the BC what? Spirits Podcast episode, which is is so exciting because I, I remember when you first launched BC Spirits. Huh? I, in the back of my head, had like, oh, you know, it'd be fun to do, like, a gin review kind of <laughs> da-da-da. And, and then this popped up. I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. Because <laughs> um, the province needs something like this. It needs advocates going and go, hey, guys, look over here. There's 80 gins in this province. Why are you drinking Bombay? Uh, Bombay. Trust me, my father-in-law. I have a rule of thumb now because yeah. my father-in-law drinks Bombay and that's all he drinks Ugh. and my mother-in-law only drinks Grey Goose Yeah. so whenever I want to try a new product I always take samples over and if he doesn't like <laughs> it I know that it's a winner yeah. same thing with wine <laughs> like, if I take a really nice bottle of wine that I'm like on the fence about putting on a list somewhere yeah, yeah. if he doesn't like it I'm like I'm done done, done. it's on the it's list perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but no I agree and I think I think there needs to be a little bit more uh, 
bigger education purely because I think when yeah. the market started, everything was much more expensive yeah. than your, your usual go-tos. But now... It's, it still is... The gap more, is shrunk. Yes, but it definitely has. And, and I think over the next couple of years, it's going to continue to shrink once regulations loosen up a little bit, producers figure out how to produce, yeah. and we all kind of go, oh, okay, this is, this is how the industry works. I and I think for bars and on-premise, I think that gap means less than probably the normal consumer because like a $4 extra bottle for a bottle of gin that's BC craft um, it, 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 it works out to like cents in the dollar it's taken a long time though I think for a lot of the bigger volume bars to push over into BC spirits because I mean I remember the restaurant Michaela used to work at in uh, uh, Vancouver they had an almost exclusively BC beer and wine list and not a single BC spirit which I, restaurant was that? Uh, Carderos <laughs> get your shit together guys <laughs> well I think I think um, the thing is, is I think a lot of these smaller guys don't have a lot of distribution they don't get seen a lot but it's in Vancouver yeah they've got, they've got distilleries down, down, they do. down yeah. the street like come on <laughs> there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't be using that and I remember we um, uh, we're, you know we're trying to get that and there, there's definitely they're starting to get a lot of interest yeah. now uh, for I, I, I know they're starting to look at BC Spirits um, and I think they will. But even so, four, like four years ago, three years ago, like why? Th- there's restaurants I know that are literally next door yeah. to a distillery, they don't have the and they don't have that distillery's products on their menu. Why are you paying to have stuff shipped around the world when you can walk across your yeah. parking lot <laughs> to go get the gin you need? Well, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword to a degree because, especially in the beginning, there was a lot of spirits that came out that were craft and they still had some kinks that needed to be worked oh, yes. out and so people tasted and were like nope I got burnt I'm not going to do it again my, my, my rule of thumb and I, and I try and tell a lot of people this and I and it's this exact same for our first batch never try somebody's first batch yeah. <laughs> it will it will always be the worst thing they make yeah because I, I mean e- e- even our first batch of vermouth was I, I really thankfully uh, improved it quite a lot since that first batch because we figured out yeah. how to produce it at scale and I think it's the same for a lot of places unless you've literally been a distiller for you know 20 years and you know how to do it but if you're just starting your first distillery your first batch is, is going to be your worst yeah once you've done that 20 t- times over you, you know what you're doing it's going to be good well I'm doing a session at the ADI conference in New Orleans this year uh, oh. about utilizing the bar yeah. industry yeah. to make better spirits and basically takes what I do already and like I give away all my secrets and tell people exactly how to do it <laughs> and it comes down to like the amount of times that I've had a couple of craft distilleries when because only Olo only Olo relaunched five years ago yeah and so and we made a rule that we only did BC craft which like is which was intense yeah like, no, no spirits at, like if there was and, and bit by bit like Okay, five years ago it was limited yeah now though Sons of Vancouver like as soon as Sons of Vancouver Amaretto came out I was yeah. like okay so the Luxardo Amaretto is off the back bar oh coffee liqueur okay cool the, the clue is off the back bar so when we turn this front area here into um, a bar which I don't know I don't know when that's happening but we will um we're going to have the same mandate of exclusively BC spirits with the exception of things that just you can't really sell well, like mezcal you can't have a med- like you're going to sell tons of mezcal and agronies using all the moves you need mezcal yes, yes. <laughs> exactly and, and I think a lot of Amaro's fit in that category where mm-hmm. that Amaro's flavor profile is specific to mm-hmm. that brand and frankly vermouth too um, but like you just can't 
Yeah, you, you can sub them, but you, it, it will be a different flavor profile. Um, so I think with the exception of a couple key spirits like that, everything else will, will be... There's just so much stuff. Because you can. Like, so much stuff. Yeah. And if it's in 18 months, I've got a new something new coming soon, too. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. <laughs> it's, it's a two-year project, this one. So yeah. That's, the, like, the, I'm doing a, a brand new Solera Age brandy from Divine. Yes. Which, oh, there needs to be more brandy. There needs to be more brandy. Lady of the Cask set tone, though. Oh, no. It's, I hadn't tried it until you you mentioned it in in uh, podcast for BC Spirits or whatever. I got a bottle and went, "Whoa, this is nuts!" And then because you can order it on on, on their yeah. on their website, nobody order this. They don't have much. <laughs> um, and I think I bought four bottles um, because yeah, they don't have much. Well, I think the, the the story behind it, the three barrels that they have, yeah. I don't think can be replicated, and they don't think they put any more down. Well, because well, that's it, it came out in 2016, yeah. and it's still around. Yeah, and nobody knew about it till like last year. Yeah, like last year's BC <laughs> distilled. Uh, oh, I remember like the yeah, dinner and everything. Yeah. That's when it's sort of like everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, yes!" Oh, what? and you're like, <laughs> "Oh shit!" And I like I already bought like three bottles around the phase of alley just yeah. this festival sort of thing yeah and uh well listen, I might have one more left yeah like <laughs> and it's tasty but I don't I think the way that it happened was so serendipitous that it totally. could never be reproduced that way yeah because yeah. of the way that it was just left in a in a storage unit in like six years or something like that yeah and yeah. Uh, you all never tasted it and then went down it's like oh fuck I've got those barrels in the corner <laughs> and tasted oh, yeah. it was like oh shit and took them back up to Naramata and it was like and released it it was like wow. you, unless, unless you can't replicate negligence again <laughs> I mean you can try but if it's only three barrels every barrel is going to be different yeah. so it's, it's tasty yeah oh that's cool okay oh right, well thank you very much for being my first official podcast yeah, that's exciting. this is uh, <laughs> I, my wife thought I was crazy because I literally woke up on Monday and I was like you know what Let, let's do more work I, I need to do another podcast <laughs> just dedicated to BC spirits and I'm, I'm hoping to do like at least three videos a week once I get a videographer which will include like distillery tour with us a cocktail video which will be easy because it'll be shot from above yeah. and we'll just do cocktails and I'll yeah. do I'm going to set out to do 50 to start but I think that once I start delving it'll be like okay well there's five Negronis and there's going to be three old fashions and there's going to be XYZ well, and to be honest, my, my favorite episodes I, I think that you've come up with were the, the ones with Sons and uh, Sons of Vancouver and, and Odd Society just to be able to get that kind of well I mean for me as, as a beverage producer I like the inside look and what these and guys and you're not so doing. crazy after all yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh we're the same <laughs> well that's the thing is like I think uh, I think people have this sort of like notion I think I try and shed light on it for the industry the hospitality industry as well yeah. so I think people have this sort of like romantic notion that I'm gonna you're gonna be like a nice still photo of you tasting from the barrels at four o'clock in the morning shining up to the no, light no it, it, it's a photo of you accidentally dropping your uh, thing into the barrel and now you gotta figure out how to fish it out <laughs> uh, okay thanks buddy I yeah, appreciate thank it thank you that was a pleasure <laughs>